um, Deepak Chopra and his group did a seminar uh, for healers and practitioners. And one of the things that Deepak Chopra said that I hadn't really thought about is that healing is collective. So it's not just an individual phenomenon, it's collective because we're collectively conditioned. And so one of the ways we're collectively conditioned is through archetypes. Mm -hmm. And archetypes are unconscious and sub-personalities. They're universal models, innate knowledge in the collective unconscious. So Carl Jung says we're born with them. We're, we're born with this information. And they come out in myths, dreams, art, and religion. So an archetype is an unconscious template, model, whatever. So let's do a little bit of history here. So here's Sigmund Freud. And he also talked about unconscious parts of our personality. Hey, Gail, and, I can't see your screen. Are oh, you sharing? wow, thank you for telling me. Yeah, I don't think you're sharing. <laughs> All right, thank you, thank you. Recording. Uh, share screen. Oh my God. Do you see it now? No. Okay, now you will. I get it. Now, right? Yes. Okay, well then I'm gonna start over again. Um, <laughs> stop recording. There we go, that's perfect. Okay, um, let me think about this. Okay, I'm gonna start over. So Deepak Chopra in a workshop for healers and practitioners pointed out something that I hadn't really thought about. Healing is collective. It's not just an individual phenomena. And he said that's because we're collectively conditioned. Um, so we're born with innate patterns, templates, models, and uh, Carl Jung called it the collective unconscious. And before him, he was kind of reacting to Freud. Okay, so here's Sigmund Freud. And uh, what Freud said is that we're born with the id, which is our instinctual drives, desires, hidden memories, libido. It's what we want. And then our ego mediates what we want with our conscience, which is which he called a superego. Um, and then he also said that our development of our libido, our sexuality, a baby starts with an oral stage where they want to put everything in their mouth. And then it's anal. We learn to be toilet chained. And then we discover our clitoris or our penis or whatever. And then latency is like um, before puberty where there's not an intense interest in sex supposedly, and then the genital stages. Um, so what, what Jung said is I don't, I don't believe that we're so driven 
by our sexual development. I think we're more than our oral, anal, genital stage or whatever. And what Jung said is that we're part of the collective unconscious and we share information and we share subpersonalities. So um, we have a persona and that's the personality we present to the world. And if you're interested in astrology, the persona is the first house of your chart, what you, what people, how people perceive you. Um, we have the shadow, which is really interesting because it's the part of us that we don't like, we repress. And what Jung said, whatever you repress gets a lot of energy and projects outside and pops out. So it's like you hear about fundamentalist ministers who do weird sex acts in airport bathrooms or something because their their sexuality or their sense of sin or guilt or whatever is so so repressed that it makes them do it pops out in irrational ways. So it's really important to be in touch with our shadow, the part that we don't want to recognize. Um, and then women have an animus, which is our male part of our psyche, and men have an anima, which is the female part of our psyche. And what's interesting about this is if we don't make it conscious, we fall in love with it, we project it. And a, a, a perfect anima woman is Marilyn Monroe childlike, sensual, doesn't come across as intellectual, um, a baby face, big eyes, small nose, uh, round face. Um, so that the anima or animus is, you really see it play out in terms of who you're attracted to in terms of romance. Um, and so if you're like more masculine, then you're attracted to somebody more feminine. Is that what you mean, or? Um... Yes, yes. You you you're often attracted to the part of you that you haven't expressed, and they express it for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> or since men aren't allowed to express their childlike, vulnerable, sensual self, then they fall in love with Marilyn Monroe, and that's why she has so much power even though she's been dead for decades, because she's a perfect anima woman. And what, what you see with the animus movie actors is they're always in charge, always win, always tough, never express emotions. Um, who, who do you think of like that, that women have fallen in love with? Uh, Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> is he like, like that? like a superhero Thor very just like strong and powerful and the hero too yeah and yeah. and those guys aren't allowed to be to say I need a hug or I don't feel good or something um so women who aren't allowed to express those qualities in themselves fall in love with that that kind of guy um so what 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 Jung says, is our goal in life is to become individuated. And what he meant by that is to become conscious of the unconscious, which makes us whole. So if I'm not aware 
of my shadow or my animus or my vulnerable little girl or artist, sage, all these different archetypes, then I project it outside, you know, and then people say the devil made me do it or we, falling in love is a really good way to look at your animus or anima. Um, is that like the whole opposites attract kind of thing? Yeah, right. Um, so again, he said the aim of life is to become whole, which means to become conscious of the unconscious. And how do you do that? Relationships tell you a lot where you feel emotional or upset or vulnerable. Your unconscious stuff is coming up and dreams are the best because dreams are direct conduit access to the unconscious. So dreams are a great way. Um, okay. And then there are these tests to see what archetypes fit you. And we were all about the innocent child were our, our most common one. Um, okay. And then the, in this particular archetypes quiz, they had the innocent child, the wise old man, the hero, the joker, the great father, magician, caregiver, great mother. Um, and the idea is we have those archetypes in our psyche. And I want to give you an example of an archetype, uh, the mandala. So um, what, what does the mandala symbolize to you? What, what, what would it do for you if you were meditating on it? Everything is temporary. Impermanence, okay. What else? It, it, it's a symbol of unity because it squares the circle. There's oh. all these circles in a square and there's different corners and parts that come together. And it's used as a meditation device because it's kind of like an access into the universe. So um, there have been there are books you can find that show all different kinds of mandalas and art around the world that people don't call mandalas, but but they function that way. And um, goddesses are are a great archetype. Um, here's the uh, an anima goddess Sophia great mother archetype and um this depth psychology site uh you take a test to see what your archetype is and i was um artemis big time and my lowest one was um Hera, the the wife and partner person <laughs> um so if if you're interested i i eric neumann did a classic book called the great mother i used it in my women in religion class jean shinoda bolin is a therapist union therapist and she's written a lot about goddesses in every woman goddesses and older women gods in every man so if you want to get into this and um then what Pete Kirchner did in the in the um, presentation from the Chopra Center, he said, 
let's use your archetypes to create a North Star, a purpose statement, a mantra, a motto. Um, so if, if you, if you, I can just email these to you. But he said, the way you would do this exercise is um, list your archetypes. So it, they could be from Buddhism or Hinduism or Christianity or goddesses. So we've, we've um, got some of our archetypes like the innocent child, the joker, the rebel. So you list them. And then you ask, what role do they play for you? Like, why are you attracted to them? What Are they a guide, a wayfinder? And then you ask, what's their special power or strength? Um, what's their legacy, their impact on the world? So let's take the innocent child because we all did that. So uh, what role might the archetype of the innocent child play for us? When you think of the innocent child, what do you think of? Kindness. Like okay. They're, they're not mean. Kind. Yeah, the innocent child is kind. Um, see the the world through kind of like fresh eyes, like unjudgmental or. Um, and in the moment, they're not thinking, what do I have to do next? Or what did, what did I do in the past? So the innocent child is in the moment, playful, um, is trusting and innocent. Maybe naive. Naive. So um, it seems to me a role that they would play for us would be to be in the moment and enjoy it. So if we were going to write that down, it would be present and um, uh, what's the opposite of being distracted or focused on the future or the past? Um, centered. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, and then you say, what's their special power or strength? And it, it, maybe it's their inno the, the innocent child, their innocence, they, they're not jaded or. Mm -hmm. It's like a purity. Purity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, because and then they're not anticipating anything dangerous or wrong or scary or whatever. So they can, they can really be very present, I keep coming back to that word. Um, what's their legacy, their impact on the world? Um, so I think we kind of answer that. And then you ask yourself, and the, this is Deepak Chopra's thing, is that to be a healer or practitioner, you need to be introspective or everybody needs to be introspective. Um, and you ask, who am I? What do I want? How can I serve myself? How can I serve my world? And then you use the keywords that came up from your archetypes to, to write a purpose statement that answers who am I, what do I want, how can I serve myself, how can I serve my world? So um, 
I think what I'll do is um, uh, mail this to you and then we can talk about it next time and see what your motto is. He, he, Pete Kirschmer said that having this kind of statement, it's kind of like a company has a motto or um, what, it, what else do they call it when the company has a mission statement or they, they do that. This, we're this company and we stand for this. So it's like us doing that for ourselves. And, um, and then it, it reminds you of what your purpose is. It's a mantra, it's a, it's a meditation. So are you writing, asking these questions like towards that innocent child or just towards yourself or? Uh... What he said is that you, you at first ask these three questions for, of your archetypes. Okay. Like of your goddess, of your Jungian um, archetype. And then you see what the key words are. So for us so far, it was being in the present, purity, innocence, that kind of thing. And then and then you use those words in answering the question, who am I, what I want, how can I serve myself, how can I serve my world? So I haven't done it yet. So it, it'll I, it'll probably come clear to us as, as we try it. But I think it's a good idea to have your mission statement. And so you, you kind of identify your life purpose. It's kind of cool. Um, so any questions, observations about archetypes? To me, what's really interesting is that Jung says that we're born with them. They're part of our innate knowledge. And that ties into what Chopra said that, that um, this is all, that healing is collective, which I really hadn't thought about. Okay. Um, so I'm going to stop recording. <laughs>